right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How's everybody doing today? Amen. Well, it is great to see everybody on a beautiful February Sunday morning. We are going to have an awesome service today. Um, as you can tell, we are having water baptism for the first time in a full 12 months. So we are super excited. We have, uh, we're going to be baptizing 14 people today. So you just let's celebrate with them and let's be ready to, to worship God together. It's an exciting time. And uh, man, God's just doing a lot of great things right now. Who, who in here likes good news? I'm with you. I like good news also. So can you hold on to your seats for a minute? Because I've got some awesome, awesome news. Do you guys remember how uh, in January we raised $30,000 to get three brand new AC units, right? Well, guess what? Guess what? It, it gets even better than that. Because of God's faithfulness and because of your faithfulness as a church family, we just so happen to have an additional $10,000 just out of the regular money in January that we're going to be able to buy a fourth AC unit for this building. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's without any extra fundraising, that's without any extra push, that's just extra money that God sent in and that, that our faithful church family gave. So four brand new HVAC units coming in here by the end of the month, and I'm telling you, as I've said, we are ready for July. We're ready for the heat this year. Who's with me? <laughs> Praise God. All right. Well, good deal. Who knows what's going on tonight? Don't say the Super Bowl, all right? I know that. I'm aware. I'm aware that there is a foosball game tonight. I mean, football game. I'm aware of that, all right? Very good. And, you know, may your team win. But beyond that, I'll tell you who's going to win tonight. It's going to be the children of High Desert Word Center. Amen. <laughs> because tonight we are officially opening back up our Sunday night service, our Sunday 6 o'clock service. And Children's Church will be open up tonight at the 6 o'clock service Finally, so the kids will be meeting over there in Victory Hall. The adults will be in here. It'll be a one-hour service, an hour of power. We're going to preach the word. The kids are going to get blessed, and it's going to be awesome. So don't miss out tonight. You can put down your chicken wings for an hour and come on out and hear the word of God. Somebody, can I get an amen? Amen. That was weak, but I'll take it. I will take that on Super Bowl Sunday. All right. Are there any ladies in the house? Ladies, we have the women's meeting this Friday at 6.30 in Victory Hall over there. So, ladies, you get together for a time of fellowship and hearing the word of God. It is going to be awesome. Make sure you don't miss it. And the final thing I'm going to announce is this, is that Tuesday, February 16th, right across the street over there at uh, the drive-in movie, uh, we're going to be having the Christian band Seventh Day Slumber. <laughs> They're going to be having a free concert, 6 o'clock, right over there. They're a, a major Christian rock band. Uh, they travel the world and do all this stuff. But they've got a heart for Jesus. They are the real deal. They are born-again Christians. They're not fakers. And so you can go over there uh, the 16th at 6 o'clock, free concert. Me and my family's going, and we're going to have an awesome time, outdoor, safe, free concert. Amen. Well, man, I'm telling you what, this is an exciting time to be alive because... You were born for such a time as this. You may think, well, there's crazy things going on in the world right now, man. Jesus is still on the throne, and you are his chosen people, and God's going to use you in a great big way right now if you'll let him. Amen? All right. 
Well, with all that being said, I don't want to get to preaching too early. Who knows what time it is now? And it's happy time. Well, what's happy time? It's the time that we get to give back to God some of what he gave us. All right, so I'm going to have pastor come on up, and we're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. All right. All right, very good. Pastor's going to take up the Sunday morning tithes and offerings. But before that, um, I want us to, can we stand up together for just a minute today? I know we've got a, got a lot going on. We've got a full house. But uh, back at the beginning of 2020, uh, God laid on our heart to start speaking words of faith over our city of Barstow. And we don't regret doing that because we saw God time and time again come through and, and do great things to bless this community. And so what I want to do is this. We, in 2021, we want to extend our faith. We want to move just beyond uh, speaking and praying over Barstow. We want to pray for the entire United States. Does anybody think that America could use just a little bit more of Jesus right now? No doubt about it. So what we're doing is we've got a, 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 a faith confession that we are speaking over the United States of America. Amen. And so I'm going to put this on the screen right here and just, we're going to speak this out together. We're speaking words of faith because we're going to see America come to Jesus before Jesus comes back. Amen. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that she will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. We believe that. Hallelujah. You can be seated today. Go ahead and be seated. And pastor's going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offering. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Over my life. Over my life. My family. My family. My church. My church. My city. My city. My state. My state. America. America. And the world. And the world. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a verse for the offering in just a second, but because Pastor Dave talked about what he talked about, uh, Joel, go ahead and hold this, put that book on the screen. Okay. So the Lord told me to teach tonight on what happens when a Christian dies. What happens when a Christian dies. I know there's too many people that have fear about dying of COVID and every other thing, but... Tonight, I'm going to go through the Bible, and I'm going to look what happens when you take your last breath, but also, I'm going to look what happens when somebody that hasn't received Jesus Christ dies, what happens to them. I'm going to look at both sides of it, but the bottom line is, fear of death is from the devil. Amen. And the exact opposite of fear is faith. And how does faith come? Yeah. By hearing what? The Word of God. And so too many Christians 
feed on movies and books and things that lost people, right? Trying to figure out what really happens. Is there life after death? What really happens? Do we just float around? Do we become a bug? What, what happens to us? Well, that's from the world. The Holy Spirit is not teaching them. They're not listening to him. The Bible tells us very precisely and exactly what happens when a human being takes their last breath. You want to be born again. And if you have the Spirit of God in you and your mind has been trained by the Word of God of what to expect, there's no fear at all. You just live, and we believe to live a long time. But if something happens, you go early, that actually Paul said it's far better because you're out of this mess and you're with Jesus and love was what before you, amen. And so if you know anybody that has been going through fear right now about what's going on, if you yourself have lost sleep and tormented about what if, what if, what if, then get out here tonight and watch this and bring people in that need to know what happens. And this book out of the bookstore, Life After Death, is an excellent book by Reverend Tony Cook, who's a good, who's a good part of our church, comes here all the time and preaches. But he, he just really has things laid out here really, really, really great help you understand things. I just want to say it again. There's no need to fear about dying. We don't want to die too soon. But whatever we do die, if we have Jesus in our heart, all we simply do is lay down a body that's going to go back into the earth and our spirit lives forever and ever and ever and ever in heaven with Jesus and our loved ones. Amen. Nothing to be afraid about. All right. Now what time is it? Happy time. Look at Psalms 35, verse 27, verse 28. Amen. How many are glad to be in church? I sure am. Psalms 35, verse 27, verse 28. And you know, at a, at a church like ours, we teach faith. And your faith has everything to do with the words that come out of your mouth. How many of you know that, and you've got a hold of that, that you watch what you say? The Bible tells us what to say, and the Bible tells us what not to say. And so if our faith is going to be effective, we have to know how to talk right. In Psalms 35, verse 27, 28, I want you to notice in this psalm here how many times he talks about your mouth. Starts off with, he says, let them shout. Isn't the shout coming out of your mouth? That's your words. Let them shout for what? Joy. Joy. And be sad. And be mad. No. You're supposed to shout and be glad that favor my righteous cause. That's God talking. You know what the most important thing is to God? It's not the environment. God made the environment. He wants it clean, wants it good, wants it last a long time. God's the one that made things on earth for us to enjoy. He tells us that. He wants you to have a good car, good job, good health care, good house, all the nice things. God wants you to have nice things, but the number one thing God wants you to have is eternal life in your spirit from being born again. The number one thing God wants for your family, your friends, your enemies, he wants them saved. He wants them to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So what do you think God's righteous cause is? The gospel missionaries, churches, Sunday school, Bibles, 
Christian books, Christian things. And so God said that if you favor, if you favor his righteous cause, how do you know if you favor something? Well, if you're in favor of going to Las Vegas, you spend money in Las Vegas. If you're in favor of your grandchildren, you buy lots of things for your grandchildren. If you're in favor of God's righteous cause, you tithe. You give to the gospel. As a matter of fact, I give you a short testimony for our, for the ministry of the Lord's be sending Miss, Mrs. Pastor Diane. We told you a couple weeks ago that the season we're in, God's going to be sending us to other churches to bring unity, to preach faith, to preach love, to bring unity. So churches quit fighting other churches and Christians quit criticizing other Christians because Jesus wants the churches united. When the churches get united around Jesus, it'll change our nation. So anyway, somebody this morning came up and gave me a really good offering and said, Pastor, you really touched my heart when you said, talked about you and Mrs. Pastor wanting to go to the churches and help churches come together. And I, I, and I want to give you this offering, the first offering for your ministry for that. And I said, okay, thank you. So we'll put that in a special place. We'll save travel money for when we get to go to other churches. But anyway, that's called, that's called favor God's righteous cause of preaching the gospel everywhere. And so he says, if you favor that, shout for joy and be glad. And then let them say continually. There's the mouth again. Your words. You shout. You say continually, not sometimes. Continually means all the time you're shouting and you're saying, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. How many here serve Jesus? Okay, you're his servant then. And it says right here that Jesus gets pleasure when you prosper, not when you lack, not when you're broke, not when the other kids get nice things, nice clothes, toys, and stuff like that, and you just sit around white and say, oh, I wish I could buy that for my kids. Oh, I wish my kids had that. Oh, they're going on this field trip. Oh, I wish my kids had the money to go. I wish my kids had nice things. No, he said that he gets pleasure when you prosper that can bless your kids. Amen? And then he says, and my tongue shall speak. That's three times he's talking about your mouth. Your mouth has everything to do with your prosperity or with the poverty that tries to attach itself to your life. My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. I'll give you a little tip about your prosperity, especially if you're a person that consistently pays your tithes to God like he said to do, and you give offerings and you invest in the gospel. Next time you see the gas jump up to 20 or 30 cents a gallon to one, whoop, like it's been trying to do lately, don't whine about the gas. Praise God that he supplies. Amen. Next time you go to the store, and if you're kind of getting older like Mrs. Pastor and I are, don't whine about, well, that used to cost a dime. Now it costs $2. <laughs> Don't whine about, man, we used to buy that for 50 cents, and now it's $12. Quit whining about that. Start praising God that, Lord, I want to thank you. You're the one that supplied the dime. You're the one that supplies the $12. Lord, I want to thank you. You're the one when gas was 30 cents a gallon, you supplied, and you're the one that supplies it when it's $4 a gallon. Amen. That's what God said to do. We start doing that, we're pleasing Him. So we make this financial faith confession we're getting ready to make, <clears throat> but just take these words to heart. And when you're tempted to whine and complain about the high cost of living, 
start praising the high God that's bigger than the high cost of living. Amen. Well, let's make this financial faith confession together. Then bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar. As you're bringing them up, just be praising the Lord. If you're giving online, tithing online, don't just put it in there like you're paying a bill because you're not paying a bill. You're invested in the kingdom of God. So when you, when you push that button, when you're doing things online, when, as you push sin, say, Lord, I'm giving this to your kingdom, and I thank you. You're taking care of my family. Amen. <clears throat> as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raising bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, received, blessings to increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take care of my family, give gifts in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all just stand up. Get ready to worship the Lord together. Break into the wild and don't be afraid. Run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, graces waiting. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. There is freedom. Come out of the dark just as you are into the fullness of his love. Oh, the spirit is here. Let there be freedom. Let there be freedom. your burden, bring all of your scars, come back to communion, come back to the start, run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you, dance like the weight has been lifted, graces Waiting, come on. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Come out of the dark, just as you are, into the fullness of His love. Oh, the spirit is here. Let there be freedom. 
We're supposed to be like God. God is faithful, so let us be faithful.
Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands for a minute this morning. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we need you. And God, we can say today that your faithfulness is great. There's not been a time that you let us down. There's not been a time that you turned your back on us. There's not been a time that you forgot about us, Lord. You have been there every step of the way. Lord, sometimes you were just carrying us, but God, you've been there every step of the way. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we come to you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus, not in our name, not in the name of some church, not in the name of some person, but in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to us today. Lord, show us what we need to see. Tell us the truth, Lord, even if it rubs us the wrong way, even if it hurts our feelings a little bit. We want truth, Father, and we ask you to change us today for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Amen. God is good to us. And I mean, what a great day to be in the house of the Lord. You made a great choice to wake up a little extra early. You made a great choice to lay some things down to go ahead and come on in and hear the word of the Lord. But today could be a life changer if you'll listen to what God's word has to say. Amen. Well, the title today, the message is this, Absolute Truth. Absolute Truth. We're going to be talking about this for a few minutes here. And, uh, you know, I have come to find out that the truth is not always the most popular topic that there is. The, and, and, and there's a lot of people that are searching for truth. And I can, I can definitely say that in this crazy day and hour, in this time that we live in, 2020, 2021, I see people that are no longer satisfied with living a lie. People that are no longer satisfied with uh, just going through life wondering and, and, and searching and grasping for answers. But there is no doubt about it, a search and a hunger for truth right now that I've never seen in my lifetime. Now, there's plenty of people that, that you know, they're, they're okay to be blind. They're okay to just keep cruising like nothing wrong is going on. But there is a portion of people that want to know the truth because they want answers. And that's where I'm at. I want answers. And the good news is, is I have found answers. And they're right here in the Word of God. He's never let me down, ever. And so, you know, I was just doing a little bit of research kind of on this topic. But in a national survey done by the Barna Research Group, they asked people if they believed that there were moral absolutes and if there was absolute truth. That doesn't change based on your circumstances. And crazily enough, by nearly a three-to-one margin, 64% of adults said, that the truth always depends on the person and their situation at the moment. So, for instance, lying is wrong, but it's okay to do it if it's going to get you out of a speeding ticket this time. Then go ahead and lie. Well, does that make it right? Because your situation is you don't want your insurance rates to go up? Hey, I've been there, all right? You know, I don't like my insurance rates right now. But praise God, that's between me and God, right? But listen to me. That doesn't make it okay. Or, or stealing is always wrong Unless you're a poor person and you're stealing from a rich person, then it's okay because they've got more anyway. No, stealing is wrong no matter who you're stealing from. 
Lying is wrong no matter who you're lying to. The truth doesn't change based upon your situation or what your personal definition of the truth is. Now, as we broaden the definition, and that's one thing that we're seeing in our modern day and age, things that used to mean one thing no longer mean that anymore. We're changing the definition and broadening the definition on different words to mean something totally different than what you and I were raised to believe that that word meant. And so in an ever-changing culture and an ever-changing society, in a world where morals seem to be changing and evolving nonstop, I'm looking for something that's solid. I'm looking for something that's not changing. And thank God I have found that because I need something secure. I need a firm foundation like we were just talking about. And that's what the word of God is. You know, it, it shocked me over, you know, the last nearly year now that we've been kind of dealing with the whole pandemic and all this stuff. It's kind of shocked me how quickly things can change, right? I mean, one day they're saying, no, this has got to be like this. And the next day they're like, oh, no, 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 that's totally wrong. We were wrong on that. Now you've got to do it this way. And then the next day they're like, wait a minute, go back to the first way we said things and forget what we said. And I'm like, which way is it? Do you guys know what you're even talking about right now? But what I'm here to tell you is this. There is something absolute. There is something that doesn't change. And that's what we're looking for. The truth never changes. And so I want to pray. Then I'm going to very briefly go into a a message here that I want to show you some things from the word of God. Because what we need right now more than ever is an anchor for our souls, as the scripture calls it. Amen? So let's pray together, and we're going to dig right into God's word here. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you so much that we have a church to come to, Lord. We have a place that we can gather and hear your word. And God, I pray that as we see the word of God today, as we hear the word of God today, Lord, that you would speak to us. And Lord, may your word have free course. May you do everything that you need to do today to change us, Father, so we can be the person that you called us to be. We thank you for that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen, all right? So three things about absolute truth, because I firmly believe in absolute truth, all right? There's a lot of things that change, but the truth is not one of them, all right? So number one is this. You don't get to pick what the truth is. Now, that may be a big letdown. That may be a bummer to a lot of people because, you know, I I would like to pick what the truth is. I'd like to say that I'm an astronaut and that I'm a multi-billionaire, and that's my version of the truth, and you've got to submit to that because that's what I identify as true. But that's simply not the truth. And so I've got to look at what the truth is, all right? And so there is a very common belief in our modern society and our generation, and that's you just choose what's true for you, you choose what's right for you. And so so if we were to live our lives based on that, if there was no moral compass, if there was no moral absolutes, and I just did whatever I felt was right for me, that would mean, well, I, I identify as stealing is okay for me because I need it, and you've got it, so I'm just going to take some, right? And don't get mad at me. Don't judge me about it. Don't, don't call the police on me about it because for me, I don't think that's the wrong thing. I've decided that my truth is that stealing is okay. Well, obviously, we know that that is not how it works. Moral truth is defined as an inflexible reality. So the world around us says 
Well, what was true yesterday isn't true today. Truth changes and truth evolves. But the Bible tells us something different. I want you to look this morning at John chapter 14 and verse 6. John 14, verse 6. Who's glad that they came to church today? I am glad. I would rather be here than the absolute best prison in all of Southern California. (laughs) I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of North America. I would rather be right here in the house of God with the people of God, hearing the word of God. Amen. And so John chapter 14, here's the words of Jesus himself. This isn't somebody else saying this. This is Jesus Christ, the man himself, saying what truth is. And so if anybody gets to define what truth is, I'm going to say that it's Jesus himself. And so John chapter 14 and verse 6, it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so Jesus right here says, hey, whoa, hold on. I'm the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Nobody gets to go to the Father except through me. And we hear things like, well, there's many ways to heaven. I'm sorry, that's a lie. There are not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. I can't buy my way into heaven and say, well, I know, man, uh, Jesus did his thing, but I'm super rich. I'll just write a check and get myself into heaven. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't matter how rich you are down here. Well, I'm super good looking, and I'm an Instagram influencer, and I've got 30 million followers, so you just better let me in. It doesn't work that way. There's one way, and Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Well, I know, but that's not my truth. Well, that's the truth. Now look at this one, Hebrews 13.8. I'm getting somewhere with this, all right? Just follow me for just a few minutes. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, and this tells us another aspect of what we're building upon right here. But I've just reached a point in my life where I don't want to be lied to anymore. Even if the truth isn't what I want to hear at the moment, even if it's not what, what makes me feel good, I don't want to live a lie. I don't want to be deceived, and everybody around me know it, but in the end, I pay the price for it. If I'm wrong, I want to know I'm wrong, and I want God to tell me. I want a preacher. I want somebody to tell me if I'm wrong. Have you ever been in a situation where you were with a group of people, then you get home and look in the mirror, and you had something in your teeth the whole time? You start to wonder who your real friends are. Like, hey, how come nobody told me that? Somebody could have said something, not to get a little too gross, maybe had a little something coming out of your nose right there, right? And, and nobody said anything the whole time. You look, everybody else saw it, but nobody loved you enough to tell you the truth. Well, we love you enough to tell you the truth, even if for just a minute it makes us uncomfortable. And so we already saw in John 14, 6 that Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Now, Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is Jesus going to change in 2021 from what he was in? I mean, no, he's not going to change. If if anybody needs to change, it's going to have to be me. So according to the Bible, Jesus is truth and Jesus never changes. So the truth never changes. And until you firmly establish that in your heart, 
you're not going to have a very solid foundation for your faith. Because think about it this way. If Jesus has to change on something, then that means at one point he was wrong. And if Jesus was wrong, that means Jesus isn't perfect. And if Jesus isn't perfect, then Jesus couldn't have died on the cross to save my behind from my sins. And that means I don't really know if I'm going to heaven now. Because I'm going to have to argue my way in there. I'm going to have to try to get my own way into heaven. And I'm telling you, I've been a pretty decent person most of my life, but I'm not good enough for heaven. No way. There's no, I don't deserve heaven. I haven't earned my way to heaven. But because Jesus is perfect, because Jesus has never changed, because the truth has never changed, I can rely on Jesus and his goodness and thank God I know that I'm going to heaven someday. You can't talk me out of it. I'm not afraid. And people, well, I don't know, man. And, and I can say this with all certainty, that you can't scare a Christian with death. I'm not looking to die right now, but are you kidding? Trying to threaten me with heaven? I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I welcome the thought of going to heaven. I want to get there. Not just yet. I, you know, I've got a lot to do down here. But listen to me. I am confident and I am convinced that heaven is real and that I'm going there someday. And I gladly look forward to it. But if the truth changes and everybody just makes up their own definition, then that is not what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if you follow sports a whole lot, but back in 2012, the world champion cyclist, do everybody remember a guy named Lance Armstrong? Well, his name is kind of, you know, it's a, 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 an embarrassing name, I guess, at this point. He lost all credibility because it, it, it turned out that he cheated the entire time of his career. I remember, I'm not into, you know, bicycling and stuff like that necessarily, but I always thought it was cool, like, hey, we've got this American. He went over there to France. He won seven straight titles. This guy, USA. I was so proud of this guy, even though I'm not really into bicycling. Then it turns out that he cheated to win every single one of those races. He was doing steroids. He was taking short. He was doing all sorts of bad things to win. And so they stripped him of all his titles. They banned him from the sport for the rest of his life. Why? Because there were absolute truths. There were absolute rules that you had to abide by to even get to be a part of this thing. Now, think about it this way. What if the people, I don't even know what they're called, the people in charge of the bicycling, in charge of the whole thing, they did not believe in absolute truths. And so they said, now, Lance, we know you're cheating, buddy. What, what are you going to say to that? Well, now, hear me out on this, okay? I know the rules say this, but my definition of truth is I'm allowed to take steroids and nobody else is. I'm allowed to take shortcuts and cut people off. Nobody else is. But according to my own personal definition, I didn't cheat. Oh, well, if that's the case, then by all means, let's give you an extra title. Let's just, you know, it's all forgotten about. Don't, don't worry about it because you were living. No. In bicycling, in football, in basketball, in every, in every area of your life, there are absolutes that you have to live by. And if there are absolutes in riding a bike, you better believe there's absolutes in your eternal destination about where you're going to go when you die. You're not going to get a shortcut. You're not going to get a, 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 a take the back way in. No. Jesus said, I'm the only way. You're going to have to come to me, and you're going to have to do things my way. Well, I don't want to do that. That's fine. It, it is your choice. We are all free to choose, but we are not 
free from the consequences of our choices. And I've been on the wrong end of that a few times. I've received a few whoopings in life. I've received a few uh, punishments in life for making the wrong choice. But guess what? God is so good that he gave me another chance. Is there anybody here today that you're on your second chance? You're on your third chance. God didn't give up on you. But the truth is, is that we don't get to just make up our definition of what the truth is. Jesus already said what the definition is, and he is the way, the truth, and the life. Number two today is this. Sometimes the truth hurts. Anybody? Maybe somebody did tell you the truth that you had, you know, you had some garlic in your teeth. Maybe somebody did tell you, man, I know you just ate a burrito, but you got some guac right on the side of your mouth right now, man. Listen, maybe someone did tell you the truth, and at the moment, like, oh, man, that's embarrassing. But thank God they loved you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm going to say this, that sometimes the truth hurts, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And that may hurt, and I never want to hear that I'm wrong, but guess what? Sometimes good old Pastor Dave has been wrong. And I am glad when I find out how to do it right because I'm I'm willing to change. I want to change. And so there's been countless times that I've had to face the cold, hard truth, even if it's not what I wanted to hear. But in the end, I'm glad somebody cared enough to tell me the truth because I don't get to choose what's true. Jesus already did that. And so as we look at the New Testament here, The Apostle Paul, we're going to turn over to 1 Corinthians, so you can flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But the Apostle Paul, he had to write a letter to the church in this city called Corinth. Because the people of Corinth, they were were kind of a wild bunch of people. They loved the Lord. They were zealous for God. I mean, they went to church. They did a lot of good things, but they also kind of lived by their own rules a little bit. They also kind of tried to define what their own truth was. And so Paul had to set them straight, and he risked losing that relationship. But 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to look here at verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. Wait, whoa, that hurts. We're church people. You can't talk to us like we're spiritual. No, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants or babies in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. How would you like it if you're going to your Super Bowl party tonight and you're looking forward to some hot wings and somebody brings out some jars of baby food? Now, listen, I know you like the extra spicy, but you aren't ready for that. You're a sissy. You're not a man. Whoa! Calm down, man. But, hey, it's okay. We got some ground peas right here. This is for you. We'll give the pizza and hot wings to everybody else, but you're you're not ready for this. I mean, you'd be insulted, right? Come on. You'd be like, man, what's going on? And so Paul is telling these people that think they've got it all together. He's like, really, you guys are a bunch of babies. Verse 3, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Now, I'm telling you, that was probably a slap into the face to these guys because they thought that they had it all together. They thought that they were mature. They thought that they were big boys and girls. And Paul says, man, I've got to just, i got to talk to you guys about basic stuff. I can't even talk to you guys about anything deep because it's too heavy for you. You're a bunch of spiritual babies. 
I mean, that's enough right there to be kind of offensive. But look, he goes on here, chapter 6. I mean, this whole letter of 1 Corinthians, it's, it's pretty hardcore stuff. But Paul loved people enough to tell them the truth. And so that's, again, that's where I'm at in my life. I want to know the truth. I don't, if a lie is what makes me comfortable, I don't want to live a life based on lies. I want the truth. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. This is same letter to the exact same people. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? But wait a minute. I thought that just everybody, as long as they wanted to, he said, no, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery, I mean, this gets crazy here, or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's not what I believe. I believe you can abuse people and cheat people and everything's okay. I'm sorry, that's not what the scripture says. You can't go around being an abusive person and still think that everything's okay. Well, my version of the truth says I can hit people when they make me mad, so I just hit people when I'm angry, and then I feel better. They're hurt, but I feel better. That's a lie. You are not allowed to do that. That is not the truth. The truth says, you know what? People might make me angry, but I'm not going to hit them. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to treat people how I want to be treated. That's the word of God. And that's the truth. Well, I don't like that truth. I like to beat people up. Then you're going to have to change on your end because God's not going to change scripture. I like to cheat people. I like to tell them one thing and then I do something else. I like to make an agreement on this much and then I go and, and I, and I re, redo things over here. That is not going to work. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't get to make some up my own strange definition of what it is. I don't want to live a lie. Now imagine if Paul in 2021 wrote this same letter to a group of people. I don't even know. I mean, I can't even imagine. He'd be called all sorts of things, all sorts of names. And how dare you tell people that they can't do that? How dare you tell people that they aren't allowed? How dare you do this? How how dare you? We're just going to cancel your whole thing. We'll cancel your ministry. We'll cancel your job. We'll cancel you. We'll cancel your accounts. We'll freeze your accounts. We will straight up cancel you because you said something that we don't like. Whether you realize it or not, whether you agree with it or not, I don't really care. There is a hatred for the truth in the day and age in which we live. But I see this glimmer of hope that there is a portion of people that are coming into church and saying, you know what, I want the truth. I don't want to be lied to anymore. I don't, if I'm wrong, I want to know that I'm wrong. If this is going to send me the wrong way, tell me the truth. There's people that want to change, and I'm seeing it every single day. And so the fact of the matter is this, is we have got to tell the truth. Second Corinthians, let's flip over there. So Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, and then he wrote a, another letter to them, all right? I kind of gave the answer away, but does anybody know what the name of his other letter is? Bingo. Second Corinthians, right? Anyway, so he writes this other letter, Second Corinthians, and he says this. Now, imagine that you've just really had to drop some sort of nuclear truth bomb on somebody. Uh, and that's what Paul had to do. He had to say some things that probably 
risked his entire relationship with these guys, probably risked kicking some people off, but he said it anyway. He did the right thing. And so here we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. We're going to see what his follow-up letter was like. So 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, he said, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. Well, what? Paul? He was actually, he sent the letter. You ever dropped a letter in the mailbox? I mean, I know it's 2021, so you probably haven't mailed a letter in a really long time. But just imagine you mailed a letter or sent a text message. You hit send, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's probably not what I actually want. Well, that's kind of, Paul had some second thoughts on this letter. But then he says, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. But now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. Wait a minute. There's a certain sorrow that God wants people to have? I thought God only wanted me happy. God wants you blessed, no doubt about it. God wants you blessed, but there is a certain bit of sorrow that is godly. Well, what is that? Verse verse 18, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Paul said there is a godly sorrow. And I have reached that point at times in my life where I'm like, you know what? I have been dead wrong. I've hurt people. I've hurt myself. I've hurt God. I've stinking done things the wrong way, and I feel awful about it right now. And you've got one of two options. You can say, well, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to keep doing it anyway. I, I'm going to let my pride take over, and I'm a man. I'm not going to admit I was wrong. No way. I'll tell you what. Your pride is your biggest enemy, man. Your pride is is your biggest enemy. Sometimes you got to shoot that pride and say, you know what, this is stinking embarrassing. I was dead wrong and everybody else saw it, but I'm going to man up right now and I'm going to admit it. Guys, I was wrong and I need to change. When you reach that level, you've reached a level of what the scripture calls godly sorrow and you're finally at a place where God can start changing your life because everybody wants God to change their life, but everybody wants it to be on their terms. God, change my life. Give me the job I want. Give me the money I want. Give me the joy and the peace that I want, but you're going to have to do it my way. And, and, and listen, God's not going to bless your life on your terms. It's going to have to be on his terms, right? If you go apply for a job, you don't say, all right, guys, yeah, I'm here to do you guys a favor. I'm going to let you hire me, but you're going to have to pay me this much. You're going to have to do this, this, and this. Those are my terms, right? I mean, unless you're some super talented athlete or some Einstein brilliant genius person I'm not saying you aren't you're a gifted talented group of people but let's just for the sake of argument say that we're all pretty average people all right unless you're like Patrick Mahomes you're not going to go in there and make up your own set of rules right you're going to have to go in there and accept the job on their terms or they'll just find somebody else well with God You're not going to come in and set up the whole kingdom of God, rearrange everything that he's established for 2,000 years, and make it on your terms. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you peace and joy. He wants to bless your finances and your health. But it's going to be his way and on his terms. 
And so that brings me to the third thing today, and that's this. The truth sets you free. Lies might make you feel real good for a little while, but they're chains, they're bondage, they're holding you back. The truth might be uncomfortable, but it will set you free. You know, I, I mean, I've talked to different people that have been in prison and stuff. I know some of you here today have been in that spot. And I've heard people tell me that at first you're glad to be out, but it's a little bit different, right? I mean, there's an adjustment period, and it can almost be a little bit uncomfortable, right? Where you're like, hey, what, I mean, I, what am I going to do now? I, 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 I don't know what to do with myself. And it can kind of be the same way if you've been locked up and chained up with lies for a really long time. It may be a little bit uncomfortable at first when the truth slaps you in the face. But listen, I would a whole lot rather be free and happen to relearn some things than bound up in chains and lied to. Amen? Somebody with me on that? Amen. Don't mind all these guys getting up. They're getting ready for baptism, all right? So I'm going to show you a verse here, John 8 and verse 32. John chapter 8 and verse 32. Are you still with me today? John 8. And verse 32, let's flip over there because the truth never changes. And I'm glad it doesn't because I'm tired of things changing. I want something that's stable. I'm looking for stability in my life. John chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 32. And again, this is the words of Jesus. This isn't somebody else. This is Jesus himself speaking to us the truth of what the word of God is. John chapter 8. And we're going to look here at verse 32. And Jesus had this to say. He said, and you will know the truth. And what will happen when you know the truth? The truth will set you free. Now, really, to fully get the, the reality of this concept, the truth doesn't just come up and set you free. It's when you know the truth, the truth will set you free, right? I mean, it, it's like just having a car in the driveway won't get you places. Getting into the car and starting it up and knowing how to drive it will get you places. And so just because the truth is there, just because the word of God's right here, you've got to start knowing the truth if you're going to be set free. And that's why people are coming to church right now. That's why people are reading their Bible right now, because they want to know the truth, because they want to be free. And sometimes you don't appreciate freedom so much until maybe you've seen what it's like to not have freedom. Now, I know a lot of our soldiers and stuff in here, you've been overseas. You've seen countries where there isn't a whole lot of freedom. I, when I, was 15, I spent my 15th birthday in St. Petersburg, Russia. And I was over there for a little bit trying to do some missions work. And, I mean, this was in the year 2000, so it was after a lot of the, I guess, the, the stuff had fallen. But I can tell you this much, just going to Russia, the depression and the anxiety and the doom and gloom was so thick in the air, you could feel it, man. I ju it just flying from New York City all the way to Russia, when you landed there, it was a whole different atmosphere. There was no freedom in the air. If you've been to another country, you know what this is like a little bit. I remember we would have to take these uh, escalators way down to the subway. I mean, the longest escalator ride, it's like several minute ride and this escalator is moving fast but i just remember going down this thing and all the faces coming up at you are every single one 100 the most depressed stressed out sad sorrow 
doom and gloom, hopeless faces I've ever, not, not, a, not a smile anywhere. I remember at 15 years old, I'm like, my gosh, this is awful. It started to get on me. I'm like, man, I just, I feel like, what is this? There was a sense of fear. There was no freedom in the air anywhere. It was, I'm just going to say it, it was terrible. Now, I know the USA, we've got our issues, but when we landed back down at that JFK airport in New York City, the whole plane erupted in applause, and people were, people were so glad, and instantly, I could just feel an instant change in the atmosphere, like, wow, I finally got my breath back. Why? Because America? No, because freedom. You don't realize it, man. I've been to communist countries. I've been, we have been to Nicaragua, a communist nation, and it's not very fun. People are scared. There's no freedom everywhere. It, I'm just going to say it is not that great of a place. Why is that? Because freedom is something that you don't always appreciate until you've seen what it's like to not have it. And there's sometimes people in church that they get a little excited. They say, amen. They scream. They dance. They get up and jump around. And people that have never really been through that much, they look at them and go, well, I wish that guy would just shut up. He's not going to shut up because he used to be addicted to drugs, and Jesus set him free. He was six inches from the edge of ending his entire life, and Jesus came and grabbed him out of the ditch. And now every single time he thinks about it, he gets excited, and he nearly cries, and he says, Thank you, Jesus, that I've been set free. And sometimes you don't appreciate freedom until you've seen what it's like to be bound and chained and locked up and addicted to something. And then when somebody sets you free, you thank them every single day of your life because you don't ever want to go back. The truth will set you free when you begin to receive the truth. So I don't care how painful it is. Don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. Even if it hurts, don't lie to me. I want the truth because the truth will set me free. And I've seen what it's like to not be free, and I don't ever want to go there. It's a nasty, terrible place to be. I want to show you one more verse today. I'm flinging my notes everywhere. Pardon me. Turn over to Isaiah for me, please. All right. Isaiah chapter 40. And so, what we saw there, did, did Paul have to tell the cold, hard truth to the people in Corinthians, right? He had to tell them the truth, like, man, you guys are living this way, and I hate to say it, but you're not going to go to heaven if you keep that up. I mean, that was hard. But then, he comes back and says, you know what? You guys changed. I, I mean, I, that was hard for me to do. But then, 2 Corinthians, you guys changed. So, look at this, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. Are you still glad you came today? All right. Whew. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8. And this is a beautiful verse. Isaiah 40 and verse 8. It says this. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Oh, my gosh. Now, if you're somebody that doesn't like the Bible and doesn't like Jesus, you hate that verse because what he's saying is what he said was wrong in the Bible means it's still wrong today. But if you're somebody that loves God and you love the Bible, 
you're somebody that looks at that verse and says, thank you, Jesus. That means if you still healed people 2,000 years ago, you still heal people today. If you still set people free 2,000 years ago, that means you still do it today. When I look at that verse, I thank God, and I want to fall to my knees and say, thank you that you didn't change. Thank you that you didn't need an update. Thank you that you didn't change things around just because of our modern times. I'm grateful that he didn't change. So when I, you know, a lot of you know my story. I'm not going to go way into it, but three and a half, I get leukemia. I'm in a children's hospital and on a, you know, on a deathbed at three and a half. It was, it was bad. But one thing that I want to share really quick is this. As I'm in this hospital and, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting spinal taps, I'm getting needles, I'm getting blood drawn out, getting fresh blood put in every day. It's painful at any age, but at three and a half, it kind of stinks to be getting spinal taps, right? I mean, it's a painful deal. And so I'm going through all this. I've lost my ability to walk. I can't walk anymore. I'm having all sorts of bad things happen to my small three and a half year old body. And so one night, my dad's best friend, his name's Gary, he comes and, 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 and it was a low moment. I was doing, it was, it was a bad day. I was doing really bad that day. I was not doing well with my health at all in the hospital. And so Gary comes to my dad and says, can, can I, I want to pray for David. What can I pray? And my dad says, I'm confident that God's bringing him out of here. No doubt about it. But here's the deal. I don't want him to keep laying here in this pain and this suffering. In the meantime, I want to pray that he could somehow be spared the pain. And so Gary, I love this man with all my heart. Gary says, you know what? The word of God says where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm right there in the midst. I've got the faith right now. I'm going to pray over this three-and-a-half-year-old that he will feel no pain for the rest of this time. And I swear, I'm going to swear to God because you can't do that, but I am going to tell you the truth right now. That man laid hands on my three-and-a-half-year-old body, and I promise you, I am not lying one bit. I, for the rest of my treatments, I didn't feel one needle touch my body. They would give me shots. They would give me spinal taps, and I would, I would laugh right there. I didn't feel any pain the rest of my life. In fact, I had to keep going, getting blood work, and amen, come on. I had to keep getting blood drawn and all this stuff until I was 18 years old. And for years and years and years, they would give me needles, give me procedures. They would do all this stuff. But listen to me. I promise you, I did not feel one needle any of those times for several, several years. Why? Well, that's impossible. No. With God, all things are possible. Listen, if Jesus changes, then that type of stuff doesn't happen. If Jesus changes, then I don't know if I'm going to get healed of cancer when I had leukemia. If Jesus changes and I'm having marriage trouble, oh, my gosh, what, what now? What if Jesus doesn't help marriages anymore? But thank God that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Jesus does not change. And so what I want to just bring it all to today is this. God's way is not always the easy way. I'm not going to lie and say, well, this is the easy way. Just sign right here and all your worries are, no. God's way isn't always the easy way, but it is always the right way. Tell you that right now. It's always the right way, and the truth 
will set you free. And so I know people that, well, you know, listen, I, I do God my own way. I, 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 I do this and I do that, and that's my connection. And, and I kind of got my thing with God. I'm not a mean man, but that's a lie. You, you don't come to God on your terms. You come to God on his terms. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've got some other alternate definition of what truth is, you're going to have to lay that down and say, you know what, maybe I've been wrong. Maybe I need to look for a new definition of truth, and there's only one, and it's this right here. And yet it tells us we got to change some things, but also it tells us if you'll change some things, he will give you peace. He will give you joy. He will bring you out of depression. He will bless your wife, your husband, your children, your household. He'll bless your job. He'll heal you if you're sick. You're going to get up there right now in the middle of a pandemic and say, he will heal you if you're sick. I stand by that until I die and go to heaven. That Jesus Christ wants you healed. He does not want you sick. He sent his word to heal you and deliver you from all of your afflictions. I will say it boldly. Jesus Christ still heals people. Jesus Christ still delivers people. Jesus Christ still sets people free. But he does it his way. He doesn't do it your way. And so, amen, there is a chance that you're going to have to change some things if you're going to get all these promises of God. But it is worth it. Can I have a stand up together today for just a minute? Amen. We'll stand up together. In just a minute, we're going to we're going to sing a worship song together. We're going to baptize 14 people that are making a bold stand today. They're saying, amen. I've talked to all 14 of them, and every single one of them has said, you know what? I'm taking a stand today, and I want the whole world to know that I'm a Christian. I am not embarrassed about what I believe, and I'm never turning back. This is my line in the sand. I will never turn back again. This is my moment. I'm living for Jesus now. These people made a big choice. They made a big stand. Some of them were a little bit nervous, but I said, no, there has to be a moment where you told everybody, I'm a Christian, and I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed. But if you're, I mean, let's just, I want to pray over you for a minute. And if you're here today, maybe you've been trying to kind of work your way to God. Well, maybe if I do enough nice things, maybe if I avoid, avoid being a bad boy for a little while, God will let me, it doesn't work that way. That's your terms. Quit writing your own contract. We're coming to God on his terms, and we won't regret it. But I want to pray with us today for just a minute, and then we're going to sing a song, and we'll close out and, uh, and baptize some people. But I'd like us to bow our heads, close our eyes, and I want to give you a chance. It would be unfair of me to stand up here and, and do all this stuff and tell you, you need to change, you need to change, and, and that's not what I was trying to do today. I was just trying to tell you the truth, but it would be unfair of me. It would be unjust to tell you that you may need to change some things and then not give you a chance. So here's your chance. Never again say, well, nobody gave me a chance in life. Here's your chance in life to turn things around. I want you to pray this prayer with me, and uh, I'm not going to even ask you to come up here and tell everybody about it, but I will ask you to not be, I'm just going to be blunt, not be a sissy, not be ashamed of it. If you pray this and you actually mean it, I want you to acknowledge that. I want you to acknowledge in front of God that you believe in him. But I want to say this together. Say this. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. I believe he's coming back. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. Give me strength in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. I mean, you know, maybe you've done this before. And, but what I'm going to ask is this. If, if you're here and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I, I prayed that. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm not, I'm not so full of pride that I've got all the answers. If you could honestly tell me right now that I prayed that, I meant that. I've got a gift for you. It's not a check. It's not a gift card to Starbucks, all right? Even though that is cool. But what I am going to give you is this. I'm going to set you up with somebody for the next 30 days. This isn't an invasive thing. I'm going to set you up with someone from church that will text you every day and pray for you every day for the next month to help you get on your feet and help you get started. There'll be someone to pray for you, somebody for you to talk to, and somebody to help you get things headed the right direction. Because it's not fair to make you pray a prayer and then say, good luck. You know, best of luck. I hope you make it. No, I'm going to make sure you make it. So if you prayed that today and you're like, yeah, you know what? I, I, need, I need someone to help guide me along for a little bit. I ask you to raise your hand and I will personally hook you up with somebody to mentor you for 30 days. If that's you, without being, you know, I'm not, I don't want to call names, but don't be a sissy. I want you to raise your hand and say, you know what? I believe that and I pray that. Is there anybody today that could say that? Praise the Lord. That's good. We've got everybody on the right track. That's what we want. Can we give the Lord some praise today? <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Well, what we're going to do now, uh, we're going to go ahead. I'm going to have Josh and the team here lead us in, in a worship song while we get ready for baptism. So what you can do is this. You can uh, worship the Lord for just a few minutes here with us, and then we're going to baptize everybody and it's going to be a powerful experience, man. These people, thank you if your family's getting baptized and you came today to support them. Thank you. I can't tell you, maybe, maybe they didn't tell you, this means a lot to them. This means a lot to them because this is a, a, this is a turning point in their life. This is a big deal to them. So thank you for that. But I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to our internet audience that's watching online.